and welcome to the Wasatch Report. This is episode 39. I'm Suzanne Sherman. Joining Jeff Johnson and me today is our good friend, Alan Mosley, kicking off the first show of the new year, 2021. Looking forward to bringing him on momentarily. Uh, we were unable to have him on for our 2020 wrap-up, so we're going to start the new year with him. I'm really glad to have him back. Before we get rolling, you can follow our live shows, facebook.com forward slash Suzanne Sherman's The Wasatch Report radio show. That's where we do our live stream, PolitiPrep podcast is where we have all the upload stuff from Anchor. And uh, we put that on the Wasatch Report as well. If you're learning, if you're interested in learning about preparedness and self-reliance, check out our other show, The Red Hot Chili, C-H-I-L-L-Y, The Red Hot Chili Prepper. That is on Anchor and is also on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Red Hot Chili Prepper. If you can't listen live, and even if you do listen live, if you can go ahead and play it on Anchor FM, that's how we monetize the show. We get paid from the advertisements there. So if you're not able to donate and contribute, this is a way that costs you nothing, and it's how we can get some uh, support. You can also support the show if you're so inclined for as little as 99 cents a month. Uh, last time we had a show, we kind of let people know we really appreciate all of you that show up and participate for the Facebook Live, but it doesn't get us any revenue. So please, if you can't make a donation, please go over and uh, just listen on Anchor as well and share those links. And also, finally, on SuzanneCSherman.com, we have suggested reading. I've got some great books that you can order from there that'll go through our Amazon affiliate uh, links, and that will also help us. Finally, the Lost Frontier Handbook is finally out and learn the ways of uh, the pioneers, how they survived. It is your ultimate self-reliance guide. I've been involved in this project for about a year. The second edition, the physical copy is in the way. Some of the stuff we're taking out from the electronic version. So if you want to get all the content, as like I said, some's going to go away. Just order the ebook right now, and then you just pay shipping when the uh, physical book is available. Now, I've been looking away from the screens because you guys are cracking me up, so I had to look away. I want to welcome Lex. He just joined as well. Alan Mosley, welcome back. I'm happy to be here. I didn't realize until just now that I'm I'm on the first show of the new year. Well, how what what better way to start off the year? <laughs> it's it's all <laughs> it's all one way from here. I won't. It I'll let the viewer decide if it's down or up. Or yeah, better. <laughs> it's a matter of perspective. You know, when uh, you had a show last week that I wanted to talk about as well, because you also did a um, little segment from that that you've been sharing, and I want to share when I think you're sharing it now. If I can have the go ahead to do that, but mm -hmm. you were on our electile dysfunction show, and as we all know, it's coming down. This is the week. You know, we had mm -hmm. the uh, electoral votes were certified. Everybody was waiting for that. Lo and behold, they uh, still came out Biden. We know there have been a lot of shenanigans, some Supreme Court uh, um, appeals for assistance on behalf mm -hmm. of Trump and the Republican Party. Uh, we actually did a show on that, on whether or not Texas had standing to sue. A lot of the historians that are very well respected said absolutely they didn't. Our take was different. Dave Benner came on and discussed it with me. We had you know, opposite opinions on there, but he can be wrong sometimes. And, uh, you know, regardless how it is, if there's one thing that we can all agree on, it's that this election cycle and Donald Trump's illuminating the deep state shows how dysfunctional this system actually is. We're going to be getting into that a little bit more. But on my notes I have here, Alan, for when I bring you in, it's a uh, election, electile dysfunction, a uh, lot of fraud, a lot of uh, questionable elections going on. Then I have the thing that says RX, 
SCOTUS, Congress, vote harder, Trump 2024. Where do you want to go with these? Uh, you know what? I'll I'll let you decide. You're you're the one whose name is on this program. Don't I don't. I, it's way too early in the morning for me to make decisions. It's not early. We did a show <laughs> the, after the crack of noon, and you're still complaining. Oh my god! Look, my hair is still wet because I just got up. Look at that. Oh my goodness. Well, all right. So. <laughs> Jeff, I think what we were saying before, if there's one thing this illuminates is how absolutely dysfunctional this system is. I think if the Supreme Court had come out and overturned the election results per se, we would have had violence in the streets. I think if Congress does what they should be doing and refuses to count what I consider to be, and and again, this is not partisan. This is just an absolute, this is watching from detached fascination because I don't think Trump has been a very sympathetic character in this whole scene. But if Congress refuses to certify these votes, and then let's say it goes to the House of Representatives, first, do you think Congress has the temerity to not count the votes that are questionable from these uh, from these states like Pennsylvania, Georgia, Wisconsin, Michigan? You know, I haven't really gotten into this subject very much on my program. The main reason is, is because nothing's going to happen. Like right. and uh, and I know a lot of people are looking forward to I, I guess what Wednesday the sixth is is supposed to be this this groundbreaking day. day that there's yeah that's there's going to be this big rally and all this but the thing is is nothing's going to happen I mean I I don't want to be like a typical leftist that said that just applies QAnon to everything that I don't like but this sounds like QAnon boomer garbage to me which is everyone everyone thinks that oh well you know fraud is self evident therefore there's there's going to be some sort of overturn of the results uh, but the, a couple of things i'd point out to people is one how many times in say your just in your lifetime can you remember there being such a diametric shift of results in washington it, it just it just doesn't happen i mean it, the the election was decided that night and the fact that we're even talking about it is pure political theater but but more to your question is does does congress have the cajones to do anything no they do not but but who is Congress? Who are we talking about? Because Congress is is not just an amorphous blob, right? That's a bunch of people. But that's a bunch of people who they, they themselves are all tied to one political self, you know, their own political self-interest, as well as whatever special interest has helped them get into office one way or the other. And and look, guys, like like you had four years of Trump. And you talk about the the deep stake and you talk about Trump trying to drain the swamp. He didn't do any of those things. He was terrible on the Second Amendment. He he was terrible on privacy. Um, there was plenty of drone bombings. Uh, you know, budget after budget got passed with outrageous spending. What was it back? I think it was in 2017 that he had sent out the tweet where he said, I'm never going to sign another bill like this ever again. And then what are he we He said now? he wasn't going to do it at all. He said, I'm, yeah. not, doing, I'm not signing this. Yeah, and then was- yeah. Yeah, and then now the, what? We're, we're just a week or two. Yeah, yeah gotta we're just keep a the week. Government or two. going, but I'm not doing. Then it comes. Yeah, exactly. Got to fund the and, military. No, you don't. <laughs> yeah, and so and now we're just a week or two removed from him criticizing a bill that was outrageous spending, but he was he was mostly only criticizing it because he felt like it needed to be bigger, and then he signed it exactly as is anyway, while saying, "Well, now I'll go ahead and sign this. Well, will you guys please give out more free money." This is this is not some type of fiscal conservative or or uh, civil liberties hero. That's absolutely ridiculous on its face. So when if you if you look at more the bigger picture of on net was 
Did, did this guy help to illuminate some of the absurdity of Washington, D.C.? I, I suppose. I mean, for people who whose IQ is above room temperature, you already knew a lot of the things that he quote unquote shone light on. But in, in the greater scheme of things, was he really on net a, a, a certified opponent of what we refer to as the deep state? No. No, not at all. So nothing's going to happen on the 6th. He he really brought no particular change to Washington other than to, uh, you know, bring some drama to the GOP. Um, and that's another conversation for another day. But Joe Biden's going to be sworn in. And you, you know what the and, and I'll and I'll end with with this last thing. You, you know what the biggest you know, what the, the biggest change is going to be when Joe Biden gets gets into office as opposed to the policies under Trump. It's it's going to be mostly the same thing, but with a female black vice president instead of a white male. But other than that, I mean, their policies are, are practically mirror images of each other. Sure, Biden says a lot of things to to signal to the leftist base. But in terms of real policy that he's supported over the last, what is it, 50 years that he's been in politics, it's really not that much difference than Bush, Obama, Trump. That's so, I mean, what what are we even arguing about? For everybody so, pissy fit about, you know, how this is going on, then I'll bring you in right away, Jeff. I, I just tell them, just calm down. If you voted for Bush, if you voted either Bush, both Bushes, mm -hmm. Romney, McCain, Reagan, it's just more of the same. More get big government. Nothing's going to change. <gasps> did she love Patriotcy? Yeah, I did. You know, Biden's been part of this system for a very long time. He's even bringing, oh, I forgot the guy's name though. He's even bringing a, a, a Reagan recycle back in. So it's just more the same. And Trump was really, I found him to be profoundly disappointing when he said he was going to drain the swamp. He was essentially elected as a repudiation for the GOP establishment. And what does he do? He endorses McConnell. He endorses Mitt for brains. Thank you. We have mm -hmm. him out here in Utah. If he had, uh, if he had uh, possibly endorsed uh, Kennedy, we had a guy out here named Kennedy running. He might that might have been our senator. Much better on uh, Second Amendment. Not a socialist. Wouldn't have been going against all this. You know, mm -hmm. doing all the crap that Romney's been doing. That's you know disgusting. The people in the state of Utah. They have buyer's remorse, which just shows their ignorance because. His record was very clear on this. Jeff, you wanted to say something. Yeah, unless I miss it completely and something actually does happen this week on this six, which I I suppose something could. I suppose we could all have missed it, but nothing's going to happen. But what I figure about Trump, all of this tweeting, all of this uh, faux outrage over a sham election all this is all driving up the cost for the next next network that's going to carry trump on tv he is just driving his stock up they're gonna have to pay a heck of a lot more to get him on tv now because of all of the drama that he's been doing that's all this is it's all about him getting that next big contract for tv well you know he ran for president a while back remember that and i said all mm -hmm. this is doing is to just drum up ratings for what was this show called the apprentice I said, mm -hmm. this is just a big publicity stunt. And then here he came out again. I thought, he doesn't have a show on. What's what's he really planning to do? And then he saw him gaining momentum, which to me is understandable, given how god-awful the other choices were, with the exception of Rand Paul. We're going to take a quick break for our friends over at Anchor FM and then come on back and talk about some things that perhaps he could have done differently to bring in other supporters.
Welcome back to the Wasatch Show, uh, the Wasatch Show, the Wasatch Report. I don't even know the name of my own show. <laughs> the Boomer Report with Jeff Johnson. <laughs> the Boomer Report. We're turning it over to you, Jeff. Welcome back to the Wasatch Report. Suzanne Sherman here, Jeff Johnson, and Alan Mosley. We left off uh, talking about the premises upon which Trump was elected. I had said that he was a repudiation of the Republican Party establishment. He was seen as a populist. Yet it, it was pretty much the Republicans straight out, the conservatives, faux conservatives that voted him into office. And it, it, it explains really why the rank and file, I think, GOP is um, kind of hanging him out to dry. We see 11 senators now calling for a challenge on the counting of the electoral votes, which will be January 6th. But I'm with you on that one, Alan. I think that... Um, nothing's going to happen. Biden will be installed. I don't have faith in the election process. But then again, um, you know, I, I think it seems kind of silly to assume that a government that's inherently criminal, inherently illegitimate, cares nothing for its own restraints, it, that we're going to have valid elections uh, in which we can trust the outcome. No matter what, who you're going to get, it's still going to do whatever it wants. Just can we go back to the conversation you and I had before we started rolling about what it is exactly that the House does? We're talking about these disasters of a bill. I was going to bring this up in the mm -hmm. first segment of the show. We got a little bit sidetracked. But, you know, we have all these massive bills. I don't know who wrote this. It's 5,000 pages long. This, what was mm -hmm. this, the stimulus, the stimulus omnibus? Yeah. Who's writing this? You, you, you think your members of Congress are here are writing out these bills they're going to submit it. Everybody's going to read it and vote. Is, am I a little bit naive here? Well, that's that's a very interesting question. I think a lot of people actually never really investigate or talk about is in the same way that you see some congressmen, the Thomas Masseys of the world, even AOC said this, even though she voted for the bill anyway, that, you know, it's 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 four o'clock in the afternoon. There's a vote scheduled tonight and we were just handed this 5,500 page bill, there's no time for us to read it. So a lot of people have heard that part of the narrative. But to your point, there's an, another interesting part of that. Well, where did this bill come from? Because it takes time to write a 5,500 page bill, right? And, and, and so something that should be eye-opening for people at home is that in the same way that a congressman can't possibly have read and understood the bill to vote on it that night, also, it's not like they wrote it that day either. A lot of the crap, let's call it what it is, a lot of the crap that ends up in these bills, those are bylines that are sitting on notepads for weeks, months, maybe even years, waiting for an opportunity to come along. In this case, the opportunity being, look, the, the like, okay, we have a pandemic, maybe. And, and of course, I know people on this program would say it's the government response to the pandemic that's created the problems. But that being neither here nor there, a, a COVID relief bill is very popular in the mainstream. So you have this really popular bill. And so now that's that's an opportunity, right? That's an opportunity to special interest and to the Congress at large that we have a really popular bill. And since and since it would be very politically uh, dis, di, uh, it would be politically strategically bad to oppose it, right? Like if I'm running for Congress and I say, I promise you that if there's a bill that's really popular and it's to help regular people, I'm going to vote no. You'd never win election. 
So you have this really popular bill. And since you're you're so sure that that bill is going to have overwhelming support in the House and the Senate to pass because it would be political suicide for most people to oppose it, then that means you can now start to add all of that pork, all of those, all of those little regulations, all of those little handouts that maybe on their own would never pass. I'd made the uh, analogy on my program that, look, if I wrote a little bill that was the give Alan Mosley a million dollars bill, that would be really popular in, in, in my household, probably wouldn't be popular amongst anyone else. But if everyone knew that the COVID relief bill was going to pass, all I have to do is get the Pelosi's and Nunchins and and McConnell's of the world to stick my byline into their bill. Boom, done. It's going to pass. That's the way Congress really works. Oh, I just wanted to ask Alan, what about making amendments to these bills? Do they could do they ever make amendments anymore? Or? Well, okay. So to to that point, uh, a lot of people there's a huge disconnect in the way people think Congress works versus the way it really does. And and I don't and I and I'm not necessarily blaming people for being stupid or ignorant. First of all, most people have their own lives to live. They don't walk around worrying about what their representative is doing all day. But second of all, a lot of people have this mental image of you have the chambers of the, of Congress and and a bill comes to the floor and there's going to be debate. They're going to bring it to the, the speaker's going to bring it to the floor and there's going to be debate and representatives are going to be given some time to discuss back and forth with each other, the merits of the bill. And then maybe most importantly, different representatives can suggest amendments to the bill. And once it's been hashed out, it's kind of like jurors reaching a verdict in a trial, then it's going to go to a vote. That's the way most people think Congress works. And on paper, that's the way Congress should work. But I actually have the numbers right here of uh, this is actually from Justin Amash because he's he's the type of person to be all over this is these are the number of times that votes were permitted on floor offered amendments. What I mean by that is, is this is the number of times that representatives were able to go to the chamber of the House and propose amendments and those amendments be voted on for a bill rather than just a giant several thousand page omnibus bill just being handed to the house vote yes or no this is the number of times since 2011 in 2011 414 times in 2012 all the way down to 153 in 2013 61 in 14 and 15 96 and 94 in 2016 only 29 times was any representative in the House able to go to the floor, propose an amendment, and that amendment be voted on. Since 2017, 2017, zero times. 2018, zero times. 2019, zero times. 2020, zero times. Guys, it's been four years since, if you can hear my voice at home, it's been over four years since your representative was able to go to the chambers of the House and do any actual legislating. How do you account for having zero votes for the past couple of years? I mean, from well, it, all that to none, I mean, what? how, mm -hmm. how do you attribute this? Well, what basically what it boils down to is, is that if you're not because you hear the phrase a party leader, so a party leader, you're thinking of Nancy Pelosi. So someone who's a speaker of the House, who's a ranking member of the Democratic majority in the House right now, um, you're thinking of, say, a Mitch McConnell in a Senate. So a Senate majority leader, a ranking member of the Republicans in the Senate, you know, thinking of a Treasury Secretary Nunchin, you're thinking of. 
uh, the Chuck Schumers of the world, people, the exactly the kind of people who have been in Congress 20, 30, 40 plus, 50 plus years of, of political careers in Washington. Those people are meeting behind closed doors and they're ratcheting together their pet projects, their, their suggested. So, so the amendment process is totally going on behind closed doors and it's only involving party leaders. And then, then you are then introduced to these omnibus bills that are several thousands of pages. So it's, it's a double whammy. Not only, not only are these massive bills coming to the House floor for simple yes and no votes with and, and there's no way that the, all the different Congress critters could have possibly read and understood it. But they also had no input. Now, that might be fine for plenty of them. Like, let's, you know, let's let's not let them off the hook. A lot of people in Congress are perfectly fine with that system of governance. All they 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 just fundraise for themselves and for their party. They get reelected every year because that tends to be how incumbents roll. And all they have to do is vote yes when their party leader says vote yes and vote no when their party leader votes no. It's pretty easy. It's pretty good work if you can get it, sounds like to me. But if you talk about a genuine representative, someone who actually campaigns in their local district, talks a lot to their people um, instead of because there's kind of the two different sc schools of political thought, right? There's the mandate thought of, um, you know, the, the people elected me, therefore they want me to do what I want. And then there's the re kind of the more representative democracy thought of the people elected me. I should listen to what they think and vote the way they want because I represent them. But no, no matter what school of thought you fall into, they're not, they can't, by definition, they can't be representing them because they actually have no input. It's amazing. And I think people don't understand this, that if your elected representative has just about as much say on these giant omnibus bills as you or me. We're going to take a quick break to thank our friends Roxanne, our musical sponsor for the music they supply, uh, supply for the show. We'll be right back. <laughs> music for this program has been brought to you by Roxanne, courtesy of Rat Pack Records. Radio Silence is the album and is available on Amazon, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, RatPackRecordsAmerica.com and RoxanneBand.com. Welcome back to the Wasatch Report. Alan Mosley is joining Jeff and me today, and we were talking about the role that the our elected officials have when it comes to drafting. The, and, and providing some input on these omnibus bills. And uh, the answer is sadly zero. As you were giving that information to us in the last section, I jotted down a couple notes here because I remember going back into my sixth grade class and we were learning about government. And mm -hmm. our teacher said that, you know, this is a problem with the education system. Just a quick aside, you know, conservatives, the Republicans love public education. That's Republican socialism, you know, boys and girls. And these same Republican Republicans are absolutely furious with illegal aliens. They're going to come in and vote wrong and, and ruin everything and turn us socialists. What they don't understand is these policies are becoming popular and they're successful because of the indoctrination in the very public education system you support. That's the real cause. The invasion has come from within. You're looking at the wrong parties to blame here. We're also, you were talking about the fundraisers, but going back to my class 
I remember my teacher saying, we are a democracy. This is a government mm-hmm. of the people, for the people, by the people. Never mind, that was from that blathering idiot Lincoln at the Gettysburg Address. But tell me here, let's assume that this is true. This is a government of the people, for the people, by the people, and then reconcile that with what you just told me. I don't think we can. This is a no. this is a government for the political parties and the individuals that they support in exchange for support of their political careers back. And then you also mentioned mm-hmm. that these Congress rep- these representatives in Congress have as little say over these matters as we do. We've had Mark Kresslins on the show. He was a senior, a senior legislative assistant over in Washington, D.C., and he assured me not once did his boss ever see the letters sent to his boss by the constituents. They're never mm-hmm. read. They don't care. But they'll go out to dinner parties and meetings and swanky bars and mm-hmm. get their pockets lined, and that's how these insane laws and these insane policies get put into effect. Speaking of which, you know, Donald Trump vetoed that one bill. I think it was the NDAA because it did not have that uh, Section 230 repeal, the what was it, Internet Decency Act. And mm-hmm. uh, to me, it was almost it was almost like him trying to punish Facebook and Twitter for their censorship of him and conservatism. Mm-hmm. Because if you really peel the layers back on there, that's going to result in, I I think, exponentially more censorship than what we're seeing right now. Right now, we're seeing ideological censorship. There's There's no dispute there. But now, I would think secretly these people would be cheering in the background because they could say, this is fantastic. Now, we can really limit it to um, anybody showing, like we were saying before the show, my son, he's a race car driver. He's a professional driver showing cars racing. Well, they would never ban that. You know what Facebook did ban? The movie Apex about the cannonball run. I tried Mm -hmm. to share it and put the link for that movie on there. Boom, bright red letters. This, uh, This link violates community standards. Not one person's ever been injured, caused an accident, any of that in this whole history of the Cannonball Run, which is the race across uh, the continental landmass from New York to Los Angeles, but mm-hmm. Facebook just banned it. What else is going to be dangerous? I don't know, riding horses, showing pictures that you've been hunting, uh, any other activity that doesn't involve, gee, I don't know, um, sitting in front of your house and having Zoom meetings instead of holidays. Jeff, snowshoeing, let's talk about the little event out in Maine. This was yeah, insane. I- <laughs> I saw that uh, they they're having a virtual snowshoeing for the kids. Uh, Maine, the Department of Environmental Protection or whatever it is out there, they're doing a, a virtual winter camp. So they they're all supposed to send pictures of them snowshoeing or walking around outside. You know, come on, just let the kids go out there and have a good time with other kids. Life is not that difficult. I mean, and, and kids. For the most part, most kids aren't even getting the the Rona, so it's just it's just incredible. And I don't know, did you happen to catch the article I uh, posted about the IMF? And they're now going to, if you go to dangerous websites, they're going to make it almost impossible. They're gonna they're gonna crash oh, your credit, credit score. Your credit, your credit score. So yeah. you can't get a you can't get a loan if you're going to questionable websites. Okay. Jeff, let's let's circle back. Do you remember when we first started talking about this with the uh, the PPA loans 
Alan, you guys got a nice chunk of money, didn't you, to keep you guys? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The, so, so the most vulnerable small businesses like us that's tied to arts and entertainment got, oh, no, zero. We didn't get anything. Uh, don't worry, though. The Los Angeles Lakers were able to get one. Uh, the Democratic Party of Ohio was able to get one. The Kennedy Center has had its annual budget funded not once but twice while still remaining closed and laying off employees. But no, actual small businesses, not so much. Catholic Church, Joel Olmstein, mm -hmm. millions, millions. Praise all men and women. All men and women. Yeah. You know, you know about that's very that's not very inclusive. It only assumes two genders. I don't think they, they really realize what what a faux pas they did on this on the House floor. You know, but this was something that I I was talking about when they started with these these PPA loans. And I was watching for, you know, what little segments I could, I used to be able to tolerate on Fox. There was a guy being interviewed who said, this is great. People need to go with their banks and file applications for these loans. And it, for the first time I've, I've ever seen on, on this network, somebody actually on the panel had an insightful question in response to this saying, well, what about family businesses that aren't funded by by banks or just by, you know, funded by other family members. And mm -hmm. the guy's response initially or immediately the, the guess was, then they've got to go out and establish a relationship with the bank. Oh, isn't that convenient? So now if your bank, if your, if your business fails, notwithstanding the loans anyway, because these idiots continue to shut down the government or shut down, oh God, I just had a fantasy there. Boy, was that a Freudian slip? Because they continue to shut down uh, the businesses now who's going to own your business because you were forced to go get help from your bank? Well, they yeah. on top of that, they can't even evict people. So people aren't paying their rent. Millions of people aren't paying their rent. All these people that own these uh, properties, uh, how can they pay their, most of them can't pay their mortgages. So who's going to end up owning all those houses as well? Mm -hmm. Well, this and is the just banks are still getting paid. Yeah, go ahead, Alan. This is this is just example number four thousand of why when you when you have all this magical liquidity that's created by moving decimal points on a computer, uh, the stock market will rally, sure, for a week or two. You know, the stocks will go up. Uh, the people on Wall Street will be able to to turn a profit. Uh, the bank the banks will be in business. They're going to be hiring new CSAs every week for all the new applications going into your local bank. Um, well, more your your national international banks, but but no, regular people on the street don't see that money. But it's it's the same old story when there's any type of stimulus, uh, when there's when there's any type of picking winners and losers from Washington. No matter no matter where the no no matter how the stimulus comes to be, and in all the quantitative easings, I don't know which number of quantitative easing we're up to at this point, just in the last six eight years, but every time it happens there's always somebody that benefits you know some some people in our camp say well they can't do that forever because they're going to destroy the dollar they're going to inflict the currency well yeah they will eventually but that takes time right there's a there's a turnover in these things eventually there will be inflation eventually the value of the dollar will go down but for that initial burst of capital someone is benefiting the people that can get their hands on that money first they're benefiting big time because they're getting the full value of those dollars before they trickle down into the rest of the economy. But people like us, people like us on this program, people like your listeners, if they assuming they ever did see a penny of that money, 
they're seeing a penny of that money long after it's already wormed its way through the whole system and it's not worth anything anymore. Yeah, it's really become devalued. You know, if you are struggling, there is some seasonal work, year-round impact. You know who is hiring? So there's a, a, a family-owned business. Just kidding. It's the IRS. I got this in the mail. <laughs> oh, my God. Seasonal work, year-round impact, IRS, seasonal student and temporary opportunities. You know why I think they're sending this out? Because these guys said in 2021, they're going to increase by 50% audits on small businesses. Talk yep. about kicking the American public when they are down. And what in the world, after everything they've done, how anybody can possibly say, well, we just need to vote for better elected officials. We're going to take a quick break, one more for Anchor FM, and then we're going to come back and talk about some missed opportunities in the last election cycle and if there are any lessons to be learned. All right, everybody, this is the Wasatch Report. I'm Suzanne Sherman, Jeff Johnson, Alan Mosley joining us today. As we wrap up the show, we wanted to discuss a little bit of uh, what Trump could have gotten done in these past four years. We were discussing some of the things that he did we didn't like, for instance, the spending gun. Uh, his gun legislation was awful. As you remember, candidate Trump, I respect the Second Amendment. And then in the next breath, we need to enforce the laws we already have. And then it went from there to, I don't like bump stocks. I'd like mm -hmm. to get the guns early. First, we get the guns, then we worry about due process. And his apologists made excuses for every one of those remarks. Again, the spending, the exponential increase of government. He had talked about maybe getting uh, the Department of Education scaled back a little bit. There was a 335-day study or something about it was over 300 days. Point being, by that point, everybody's forgotten about it, and we still see the education mm -hmm. system run by the national government, pardon my French, within a few days of his being elected, 56 tomahawks into Syria. So he said he was going to end the wars and uh, bring the troops home from Afghanistan. And then he said he'd do it in the second election, in the second, in his second term. So um, what do you think? Because typically whenever there's a libertarian candidate party, well, you know, our guy would have won if it weren't for those damn libertarians taking votes away. Could he have brought over some members of the Libertarian Party who are smart enough to understand that the Libertarians aren't going to win anything. Uh, maybe he can incorporate some of their policy objectives into his administration. Mm -hmm. Maybe even some Democrats who realize that Hil Hillary Clinton's just a nasty, murderous skank, and maybe it's not a good idea to put her into office. First of all, death penalty to drug dealers. I believe in law and order, backing the military, backing the police. That's not going to expand his base audience. Uh, Lex is, is mentioning cannabis legalization. You know, I, I would just say they should repeal the Controlled Substances Act or at least stop enforcing or repeal, uh, get, get at least marijuana off the controlled substances uh, uh, list. What, what else do you have on that? Well, so you had said in the very onset of the show, you talked about uh, libertarians and what, what what Trump could have done. Like, look, he's lost. It's over. He's out. What could he have done different? How could he have potentially gotten, which, by the way, I don't vote. So I don't, I don't know what libertarian he's going after. The libertarians I know don't vote. But 
for for the ones that for the for the minarchists out there, aka dirty status commies, as us true anarchists would say, what could he have done different? I have no sympathy for Donald Trump. It's it's amazing to me how many people out there are crying their snowflake tears because their guy got hoodwinked by whether it's election fraud or whatever. But you know what? It doesn't matter. He he deserves no sympathy because there's a lot of things he could have done. There's a lot of things he could have not done. He could have not uh, increased the humanitarian nightmare in Yemen. He could have not had a record amount of drone strikes. Um, he, he could have actually brought the troops home from Afghanistan and Iraq. I don't mean talk about it. I don't mean partial withdrawal. I mean, he could have brought it down to zero, completely vacated. And if the house, and if the house was fighting him, if Congress was fighting him, he could have relocated them to Germany. Like, right. I don't want troops in Germany, but I would rather them be in Germany at one of our bases, as opposed to being in Afghanistan, for instance, he could have done that. He didn't do it. You know, he went after guns harder than Obama ever did in eight years. Like, let's call a spade a spade. He went after guns harder in one term than Obama did in eight. So let's 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 not give him any credit. And then finally, to some of the comments in the chat, if he if he would have won the election in a landslide, if any time in the last, say, six weeks before the election, he said, OK, pardoning all nonviolent drug offenders. Boom. Done. Um, right. Rescheduling marijuana. It's off the list. Boom. Done. That uh, uh, pardons for Edward Snowden, Julian Assange, uh, Ross Ulbricht, uh, Chelsea Manning. If he had done those uh, – now, don't get me wrong. There's a bunch of neocons, like not conservative, neocons who would have hated all those things. They would have hated all those but things. But they would have voted really, anyway because – But they would have voted anyway. Yes. That's exactly – so the yeah. neocons who are really just leftists who were gonna switch camps and vote Biden, they're already there. Yeah. And and the die in the wool like party voting Republicans, which by the way I don't have any sympathy for them either. They don't have any principles either. But the people who are who vote straight ticket Republican were gonna vote anyway. But but what 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 percentage? Because as as they say in politics, you know, in the primaries you run to the fringes. In the in the general you run to the center. If he had done just a handful of things off of that list, he wins in a landslide and would have been heralded as the greatest libertarian president of all time. But you know what? He didn't do any of those things. He never even broached doing any of those things because – and that, that should be the ultimate repudiation of people that genuinely think that this guy was some kind of maverick there to drain the swamp. Anyone draining the swamp could have done even one thing off of that list and then resigned the next day and instantly been the greatest president in American history. He never had any interest in doing any of those things because he was never the guy you thought he was. And I mean, when he, he had when sessions, he had sessions, he had Bolton, Bolton, oh, yeah. Pompeo, you name the, you name the swamp quitter, critter he had, he had them all, mm -hmm. you know, yes, yeah. yes, he was never yes. draining so, it. Yes, exactly. The, the Pompeos of the world are still around, but I, I, you know, Pompeos is, is terrible, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you one, Mr. Mustache himself. Now, obviously I'm not a voter, but let's say in the, in the greatest stretch of the imagination, if you said, Alan, you have to vote in this election or we're going to blow your brains out, who are you voting for? My answer would be, I can't vote for anyone who gave John Bolton a job. Zero. There's and a zero percent chance I will vote for anyone associated with John Bolton.
Yeah. When when he appointed Bolton, I thought, oh, this is this is just horrific. But, you know, fear not uh, staunch Republican loyalists, because I'm already hearing chatter of Trump 2024. Apparently, Mr. Obese is going to be allowed alive for four more years and functioning to uh, have a second term 24 to 28. So I, I, I just want to I, I just want to say also really quick, too, is that because, uh, you know, to try to leave things on a little bit of positive note of, of what to look forward to. I, I'll tell you what. I, comedy. This is gonna say, I, well, yeah, it's going to be comedy. You know what? Every all the all the quote unquote true conservatives out there should be thrilled that Joe Biden won. I'll tell you why. Because the GOP is absolutely useless when they're in power. The only thing they're ever good at is being an opposition party to a Democrat. Tell me I'm wrong. I can't. <laughs> so good gonna- news. All the all the fiscal conservatives and, and civil rights activists will all of a sudden reemerge on the right while the anti-war leftists go back into hiding. Yeah, no, and so that's why I was just I was just gonna go to the the war thing. So Joe Biden's gonna expand wars. And mm-hmm. uh, all the neocons and all the Republicans are going to be applauding his bravery to take care of our our veterans and stuff and sending them off to die in other places, uh, more better places to die. They should have started bringing the troops home uh, the day after he was inaugurated. What did he do on his inauguration luncheon? Um, he had the head of the Clinton crime syndicate and her husband stand up to be honored for their years of public service. Mm-hmm. That is not something that people who act like sworn enemies, if this is a battle of good versus evil, the most important election of our lifetime, this is not something that you do. Yeah, well, it, it goes back to our other conversations about Congress, too, is that you every now and then you'll get the hot mic or, or someone will snap a picture of Nancy Pelosi and, and, and uh, Mitch McConnell doing the little elbow bump and they're smiling mm-hmm. like, like little gremlins. Is that, guys, like the entire legislature is completely controlled, not even just by Democrats or Republicans. It's completely controlled by Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell. And so every person in the country who doesn't live, let's say, in Kentucky or California will will, will be that broad. Every other person in all other 48 states should ask themselves, how many votes have I cast in my life for Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell? If the answer is zero, then you have had absolutely no say in your country's politics whatsoever, and neither have any of your representatives. And on that, we're going to wrap up the show. Alan Mosley, how can people follow you? Uh, you can catch uh, new episodes of It's Too Late with Alan Mosley as they premiere live on Wednesday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, we're on Facebook and YouTube and Twitter, all at Alan Mosley TV. And you can go to our website, which is alanmosley.tv. You, you can't get this wrong, folks. It's alanmosley.tv. It's all there. And come to our live show this year, March 20th, 2021. And I, I think the goons on this program are going to be there. So it's it's really it's really the it's too late. Suzanne and Jeff meet and greet on March yeah. 20th, 2021. <laughs> meet, greet and eat. I love those. Food. You have you had some great food there. I OK, about food. what? What? Jeff? Before we go, we have to have one. Uh, what was the name of that place you went to, Suzanne? Do you remember? We went to this like donut shop over there. <gasps> oh, that little, and, that like, pastries old... and stuff over there. Yeah, it, was it was a real old building. Had... Pastries and coffee. Do you know that place, Alan? I have no idea what you're talking okay, about. Well, oh my god. We're we're we like stressing. We may not come if it's <laughs> if the COVID closed it. Yeah, that better be uh, open again. 
Yeah, Clay Davis just reminded us in the chat. If you want to support Alan Mosley TV, just just go to patreon.com slash Alan Mosley and type in 999-999-99 and put in your credit card information, and then boom, you're done. That's it. This has been the Watch That Support. Thanks for listening.